kind of an emotional day. And uh, I wouldn't expect everybody to understand it. I would. I wouldn't expect an unbeliever to understand any of this. I wouldn't expect the nominal Christian who, for who church is just an add-on. But for those whose life revolves around this, it's a big deal. It is. I'm glad you're here. Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. All of us are aware that really life is just a long series of choices. Um, Day after day, we make choice after choice. Now, some of the choices that we make are really pretty unimportant. Um, we make the wrong choice. It, it really is, you know, pretty insignificant. Um, ladies, if you happen to choose the wrong pair of shoes, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, somebody, you know, looks down and you go, oh, I must have the wrong shoes on. It's really not that big a deal if you, uh, if you choose to eat at the wrong place for lunch. You know, it's not that big a deal. But then there are some choices that we make in life um, that are very, very important. That carry with them some very significant consequences. Um, when it comes to things like marriage and careers and parenting and finances and retirement, if you make the wrong choice, it could cost you big time. Now, in a perfect world, we could um, make any choice we wanted to make and there would be no negative consequences course in a perfect world you could have your cake and eat it too and it would be non-fattening but alas we don't live in a perfect world and we have to make choices and those choices have consequences and nowhere is that more true than in our spiritual lives. And one of the decisions that we have to make sometimes is whether we're going to wait on God or whether we're going to embrace the age-old adage that God helps those who help themselves. Those who choose the latter usually have a thought process that goes something like this. You know, I'm a reasonably bright individual. I have a decent amount of life experience. I, I consider myself to be an above average problem solver. So why don't I just go ahead and see what I can do? 
And before long, they find themselves running ahead of God, hoping that he will do one of two things, that he will either approve of what they're doing or at the least clean up the messes that they've created because they've gotten ahead of God. One of the classic examples of trying to help God and the mess that that can create is here in the book of Genesis and chapter 16. Look at it, beginning of verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. Now church, if you'll bear with me this morning, I'm going I'm to take a little uh, liberty here. I'm so used to saying Abraham and Sarah. God eventually changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. So if you'll just go with me on that, I'm going to say Abraham and Sarah this morning. Because if I try to intentionally say Sarai and Abram, I'm going to mess it up anyway. So let's just go. You guys good with that? Can we go with that? All right. So early in Abraham's life, God had promised to make his seed a great nation. He promised that his heir, I'm talking about one that would come from his own DNA, would be the beginning of a people that would outnumber the stars. God said that that they would be a people so populous that they would, would be more than the sands of the seashores. He even sealed it with a covenant ceremony in chapter 15 but here we are in Genesis chapter 16 and we are 10 years removed from God's original promise so God made the promise and here's Abraham and Sarah it's 10 years removed from that promise and God has still not made good on the promise let's go on verse 1 again And she, that's Sarah, had in handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. So we're about to to learn something here. Write this down. How you deal with God's delays will determine how you experience your destiny. Abraham and Sarah did not deal well with God's delay. And it cost them. Now, I'm not sure what Sarah's rationale was at this point. So uh, just to be upfront, I'm, I'm rationalizing here or I'm, I'm speculating here as to what her thinking was, what her rationale was at this point. And it may have been something like this. I may not be able to bear children, but yet God said that Abraham could father a nation, and that it would be one from from him, 
But God never said, stay with me here, maybe she's thinking this, but you know, God never said that I would necessarily be the mother. Now, here's another possibility. Maybe Sarah thought something like this. I wonder if God is, is waiting on us. Maybe this is a test to see if, if we're willing to pursue his promise or if we're just going to sit around and wait for him to do it all. Now, as we sit here this morning, we have the benefit of knowing how history unfolded. So I don't know that we can fully appreciate Abraham and Sarah's dilemma. I mean, let's be honest. From our comfortable vantage point this morning, it's easy for us to look back on this story and say, well, this is what they should have done. But before we start railing on Abraham for getting ahead of God, let's think about our last big blunder. Why did the choice we made at that point in time appear so rational in the moment? I mean, think about some of the messes that you've made because you allowed your emotions to do your thinking. Verse 3. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. That there may have been a lot of rationalizing going on. Now, I've used that, that word a couple of times already. So let me just give you an explanation or definition of what, what rationalize means. It means to devise a self-satisfying but incorrect reason for one's behavior. Look at it again. To devise a self-satisfying but yet incorrect reason for one's behavior. Again, I'm just speculating here, trying to put myself in the story. And so here's Abraham and Sarah, and they're, they're dining together. And maybe their conversation went something like this. Isn't it amazing how God blessed our decision? I mean, if God wasn't good with, with our decision, then certainly Hagar would not, have, would not have conceived, right? Listen, it's easy. Now, I'm speaking from personal experience here. It's easy to find signs of God's approval in anything if we want it badly enough. <laughs> Am I the only one that's ever been there? My, my pastor, Pastor Landis, used to say this. It's got to be God's will because I want it so bad. You ever, you ever made a decision based on that philosophy? Yeah. Again, look at the last part of verse 4. When she had conceived her mistress, that would be Sarah, 
was despised in the eyes of Hagar. And so here we begin to see the consequences of getting ahead of God. Once Hagar saw that she had conceived, she started despising and dishonoring Sarah. like, hey, 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 look at me. Well, you, you, you just must not be a real woman. You must not have what it takes. God knew that. And so look at me. And so she started despising and, and ridiculing perhaps and, 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 and jabbing, if you will, being snarky uh, toward Sarah. Listen, when the consequences of sin begin to fall, relationships always suffer. And as we're about to see, it can get real ugly real fast. Instead of the news of a son bringing joy to the home of Abraham and Sarah, it brought grief. I mean, we'll read it. Everybody started turning on each other. Verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abraham said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Look at verse 5 again. Sarah said, the Lord judge between me and thee. So now Sarah wants to bring the Lord into it? Hello? Is it not a bit late at this point? Maybe she should have brought God into this in the first place. Come on, the time to bring God into our decisions, church, is not after we've made the wrong one. The time to bring God into the decisions that we make is before we ever make the decision. Don't bring him in as a custodian afterwards and hope he's going to clean up the mess. Listen, if we'll bring him in at the beginning, maybe there won't be any messes. Anytime you come up with your own solution, but it's not in submission to God's strategy, it will become your sabotage. That's a fancy way of saying this. You make a decision out of God's will, you're going to suffer the consequences. And I don't think I stand here alone this morning in saying this. I'd made decisions out of God's will. I didn't plan to, to tell this story, but years ago, Pastor Tyler will remember this. I bought a, uh, can't even remember, it was a Buick Skylark because I loved the color and because I was itching for something new. And so I went and bought it. Couldn't afford it, didn't need it, but I wanted it. And so, I believe TJ was with us as well, and we're living down on Grand, and we went up here to, to South Pizza Hut and picked up some pizza for supper. And so I, I came out of Pizza Hut, and I turned right 
on to, uh, help me, Brother Travis, I think that's Pennsylvania, that's Washington, and then Pens- I think it's Pennsylvania. I turn right, I turn south on Pennsylvania, and I'm just driving along, and, and the first block, there's this dip, and I didn't pay attention, and so I, boom, hit that dip, the boys bounced up, and, yeah, that's awesome. And so we just keep, I think I'm dad of the year. And so we just keep tooling on home and I get home. Smell something, smell like the oil burning. So I look under my car and there's this big puddle of oil. I crack the oil pan. And you could see all the way, you look north on Grant, you could see this line of oil. And so I got curious. So I got in Katie's car, and I started following that line of oil all the way back to where I hit that dip. Now, I'm not, I'm I'm not going to chalk that up all to God, and much of it was my stupidity, but I always look back on that decision. I remember I told the boys, I said this, that's what happens when you buy something out of God's will. Plus, when you're stupid, that doesn't help. But listen, that's a fancy way of saying you better make sure that what you do has been prayed over and sought God's will and do what you do in, the, in God's will or there's going to be a price to pay. Abraham and Sarah's self-made solution sabotaged the harmony in their home. So now Hagar is pregnant. And she's in the wilderness alone. Sarah has chased her off. And then God comes to her at the close of the chapter, verse 15. And Hagar bare Abraham a son. And Abraham called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. Remember that. That's going to be incredibly important at the end of the message. So... Hagar gives birth to a son named Ishmael. And Abraham was fourscore, that would be 40 and six years old, excuse me, 80 and six years old, when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abraham. So Abraham is 86 years old when Ishmael arrived. Somebody tell me, how old was he when Isaac was born? A hundred. Abraham and Sarah, listen to me, tried to rush God, but it did no good. Ishmael was not the son of promise. Ishmael was not the one that God would choose to father a nation. They still had to wait on God to fulfill the promise. Our running ahead of God, listen, doesn't put any pressure on him at all. Church, it's futile to try and coerce the Lord into giving us what we want When we want it. 
We'll get it, if we get it, in his time, and not a minute sooner or a minute later. (laughs) So we can wait joyfully, or we can wait miserably. Either way, we're going to wait until God says it's time. So let's make some application this morning. You may find yourself in a situation right now. And you're praying that that great American prayer. Lord, hurry up. You want your answer now. You want your blessing now. You want your solution now. And you're really tempted right now. And, and he's like, preacher, I can't believe you're preaching this. I, you, well, I didn't know. God knows. But you're sitting there and you're, you're thinking, man, I got I to make a decision. This has to happen. And, and if you were honest this morning, you would say, preacher, I, I, am really, I am really tempted right now to just get ahead of God and do things on my own. You know, God, he's busy, man. He's, he's, trying, to, he's, trying, to, he's trying to see over a, a pandemic. He's busy. So I don't want to bother him with this. Maybe I just ought to, ought to help him out a little bit. I got one word for you this morning. You ready? Write it down. The word wait. W-A-I-T. Wait. To wait means, first of all, to walk a little slower. When you feel like you need to hurry God along or make something happen to advance God's agenda for your life, pump the brakes. God doesn't need our help. Step away from the situation. Spend some time in prayer. God forbid, maybe even a little fasting. Seek the counsel of others you trust. And, listen to me, church. Have the love and the courage to say things to you you don't want to hear. Listen, a friend, please don't miss this, a friend who always agrees with you, come on, they always tell you what you want to hear, either don't love you, or they lack discernment and courage. Consider this from a, a pastor friend of mine. I'll hustle through it. When seeking counsel, make sure your counselor has these four qualities. Number one, make sure they're, they're biblical. Make sure the person whose counsel you are seeking has a life saturated by the word of God. Why would a Christian want to go to a non-Christian for advice? Why would an unbeliever, why would a believer want to go to an, undo, uh, 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 an unbeliever for counsel? They, they have no, no concern, no desire for the word of God. Go to somebody who you are confident walks with God. 
Number two, make sure they're neutral. The danger of always seeking counsel from your best friend or your favorite family member is that he or she enters the situation with a bias. Number three, make sure they're knowledgeable. Now, this is going to sound contradictory, but it's really not. A, a, a potential downside to choosing a neutral counselor is that you will choose a counselor who has no working knowledge of your issue. I mean, they have no idea what's going on. And so the only details of the situation that they're going to have are what you tell them. Now tell me if I'm not right here. Most of us have a tendency to skew things in a way that we look most favorable. And so you want to make sure that they have some knowledge of what's going on, yet they, they, have, they, they have no no pony in the race, so to speak. They, how this turns out, it, it really is not going to change their life at all. That, are you with me? So you want someone that's neutral, but you don't want somebody that's just totally clueless what's going on because what they're going to find out about what's going on is what you want them to find out. And then, again, make sure they're courageous. Seek counsel from somebody that will not shrink from telling you what you need to hear. A good counselor will listen carefully, pray sincerely, deliberate sufficiently, apply biblically, and advise courageously. And then, church, whatever you do, stay committed to God's timetable. More often than not, we regret the things we did, not the things we did not do. Now, there have been occasions when somebody said, man, I wish I would have gotten in on that earlier. Maybe a, a stock or whatever. Man, I ah, wish I would have, well, yeah. But more times than not, more often than not, we're going to regret the things that we did. I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have done something else. Number two, when you wait, you're going to ask God for increased patience, wisdom, and self-control. But Pastor, I've already, I've already prayed for these things. Okay, but the fact that you're still agitated and itching to act says you need to continue asking. And in your prayer time, listen, listen to me. Feel free to express your worry and to express your fear and to express your frustration. Granted, God already knows all about that, but your confession is really not for him, it's for you. I mean, there's just something therapeutic about expressing ourselves to the Lord. Number three, this is a big one to me. Imagine the worst case scenario that might happen if you waited. Instead of running ahead, try thinking ahead. And ask yourself this, okay, what's the worst possible 
outcome if I don't do anything right now? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? In some instances, the worst thing that could happen to you is you just keep driving the same car. You just keep living in the same house. For some, the worst thing that could happen to you is you just keep working the same job. You just keep wearing the same clothes. You just keep shooting the same bow. I didn't get any amens from the men. Preaching, hey, I'm on that clothes thing, but don't be talking about my bow. <laughs> There's an honest man right there. But you understand what I'm saying? Okay, honey, if we don't do anything right now, what is the worst possible thing? The status quo. We're doing okay. We're doing fine. We'll be okay. Let's just wait until God does what he wants to do. Is that fair? Verse 9. Back up a little bit. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, that's unto, unto Hagar. Now remember, she, she's despised by Sarah. The situation's not good. The circumstances aren't friendly. She got kicked out. But yet God says to her in verse 9, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself unto her hands. Here's what we learn from God's instructions to Hagar. It's better to be in less than ideal circumstances in God's will than to be anywhere else out of God's will. God was sending Hagar back into some less than ideal circumstances, but here's what God's saying, that's my will for you. I want you to go back. And so maybe your job is, is not the ideal situation, and you're struggling there, and you're not liking it there, and, and you're having issues there, and, and preacher, you don't understand how bad it is there. I may not, but if it's God's will, that's where you need to be. Preacher, you just don't understand my marriage. It's not good, and, 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 and it's less than ideal. That's not even close. But that's God's will for you, so stay there. Because it's better to be in ideal situation, less than ideal circumstances in God's will than to be anywhere else out of God's will. So we're going to walk a little slower. We're going to ask God for increased wisdom and, and patience and self-control. We're going to stop and we're going to imagine the worst case scenario that might happen if we wait. And then, I know I've said these are, this one's big, but this one's really big. Lastly, think of others who will be impacted by your decision. Getting ahead of God always causes collateral damage. 
we, we not only hurt ourselves, which is bad enough, we also hurt others around us. And it's usually, listen, it's usually those that we love the most. I know some of you have thought of this and you know this because we've, I've brought it out in messages before. Maybe this will be something new for you. But Abraham and Sarah's impatience brought great difficulty to a lot of people. It brought difficulty to Hagar. It brought difficulty to themselves. But here's something you may not realize this morning. Their decision has also brought great difficulty to us. So, preacher, how? Listen, we're still having to deal with the Islamic Ishmaelites to this day. September 11th, 2001. That's the result of Abraham and Sarah getting ahead of God. I read this, I thought it was good. Whew, I lost time for our church again. Um, real quick, never act in panic, nor allow man to dictate to you. Calm yourself and be still. Force yourself into the quiet of your closet until the pulse beats normally and the scare has ceased to disturb. When you are most eager to act is the time when you will make the most pitiable mistakes. Do not say in your heart what you will or will not do, but wait upon God until he makes his way known. I love this part. So long as that way is hidden, it is clear that there is no need of action and that he accounts himself responsible for all results of keeping you where you are. The only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing you had him. Now, here's some good news for anyone who's already made an ill. You say, preacher, well, this message is like a week late, two weeks late, 50 years late. Well, here, here's good news if you've made an ill-advised decision. God, in his grace, can redeem our regrets. Abraham and Sarah got to have Isaac, even though they had Ishmael. So here's the last thought this morning. Even though God didn't plan our mistake, he can use our mistake as part of his plan. Now fast forward to Genesis chapter 37. Story of Joseph. His brothers want to kill him. They throw him in a pit. Then they see these, listen, they see these Ishmaelites coming and so they sell Joseph to these Ishmaelites these Ishmaelites sell Joseph into slavery in Egypt Joseph has risen to the second highest place in all of Egypt and he, he, he interprets a dream that says we're about to have a famine 
There are going to be seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. So Joseph saves up uh, corn and grain uh, for those seven years. So when the famine comes and Joseph's family doesn't have any food to eat, God sends them up to Egypt, and Joseph ends up being able to feed his family. And because Abraham or, or, or because Jacob lived, that continued the godly line that led all the way down to Jesus. So even though God didn't plan Abraham and Sarah's mistake, God in his good grace was able to redeem their, their mistake and use it for our salvation. Say, preacher, I've blown it. That's all right. God's grace can cover it. So I know we don't have a lot of time left. But I think we need to give an opportunity to respond this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in all of your lives. But God does. If you need to make a decision and you're getting impatient, why don't you use this moment right now while it's still on your heart and God's speaking to you to just come and take a knee and say, God, I need, help me to slow down. God, I'm so eager. I'm, 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 I'm so anxious. God, just help me to slow down. Lord, show me what you want. And maybe you've already made one of those mistakes. Say, God, would you just, would you just help me make the best of my life now? Father, thank you for the time together today. It's, it's been sweet. It's been so good. And Lord, now we come to the time of, of the service that is really the most important. Our response to the preaching of your word. God, have your will and your way in these moments. Would you please, in Jesus' name, amen. We stand our feet this morning. They begin to play. Brother Tyler begins to sing. God spoke into your heart. You come. We're not going to tarry long. Don't have a lot of time, so don't wait. God spoke into your heart. You come, Pastor Tyler, you sing. Lord, I come, I confess. Amen. Bowing here. Come on, it's okay. I find my rest. And I've got a big decision. It's a career decision. It's a relationship decision. It's a money decision. It's a purchase decision that I need some wisdom Lord I know what I want but I don't want what I want to override what you want amen Quietly, rarely, you may be seated while these are praying.